Hey everyone, welcome back to the Rich Mind Podcast. And today I have another fantastic guest with us. I have Chad Canneller. He is an ex-Army officer and he shares a story in this podcast episode that is, it's just a powerful story. He was stuck overseas when he was deployed and he had to get back home for a family member that was having some medical issues and he was literally stuck. Uh, so I encourage you to hang on for that story. That is going to be super powerful, and I think you will get a lot from it. So I'm super glad that you're here, and welcome back, and let's jump into the episode right now. Are you looking for true personal freedom? The freedom to design a life you truly desire? then you're absolutely in the right place. True personal freedom comes from when you take 100% responsibility and control of your money and your mind. Here, you're going to learn ideas, tips, and wisdom that's gonna help you bridge the gap from where you are now to your dream life in the future. My name is Randy Wilson, and welcome to the Rich Mind Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Rich Mind Podcast. And today I have a fantastic guest with us. Super excited about this conversation we're about to have with Chad Canneller. Chad is from Houston, Texas. He's the founder and CEO of Made for More Incorporated, a company dedicated to bridge the gap between reality and possibility for aspiring entrepreneurs. Chad served as a U.S. Army officer after pursuing a music career in the rock and roll industry. He represented the U.S. Army in 2009 in Operation Rising Star and was a top six international finalist. He's had the opportunity to speak in front of tens of thousands of entrepreneurs over the last six years and is a highly sought after sales trainer in the field of health and wellness. Chad and his wife, Jerry, have a strong passion to coach married couples to not only survive, but to thrive. Chad has three fantastic kids, Gavin, Ava, and Elijah. And as I mentioned, he's from Houston, Texas, and he's also an author. Finding Happy is his book. Uh, I just finished it up today. Fantastic read. Highly recommend. And I'm sure we'll get into more details about that as well. But Chad, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. So I read a whole lot about you there right at the very beginning, but can you go a little bit more in detail? Can you tell everybody a little about yourself a little bit more? Yeah. So I'm Chad. I'm a former army officer, spent about 12 years in the military and uh, just always have had that entrepreneur, you know, like side of me where I've always been wheeling and dealing and just trying to do things. Even when I was really, really young, you know, we'd throw uh, parties and, and, you know, try and cover the bills at the place I rented with like seven other people, you know, we live in the same place and we, so very entrepreneurial, you know, from a very young age and just always trying to figure it out. Right. I didn't want to just always have a job and didn't feel like I was made for that. And so just always had been looking and, and throughout life, I finally kind of figured it out, you know, in, in some different ventures and kind of been all over the place. And you could say I'm a, a serial entrepreneur. I'm always open. I always love ideas. I love to be around entrepreneurs. I love to, uh, from just have my brain to be stimulated around cool people like you. So I'm just happy to be here and have this conversation. <laughs> so I love that. Right. So we are, uh, honestly, right. Relatively new to our relationship as far as getting to know each other right and you always have these one-liners you always throw things in there that you always get me laughing always get me giggling about something right so you did that to me even yesterday in a conversation it just yeah so if i start laughing folks it's you know chad's just 
poking at me and it's, it's hilarious. So it's going to be, yeah, that's where I'm super excited about this conversation. So entrepreneurism, uh, personal development, uh, financial education, all the things that I really represent and stand for here on the show and everything I try to produce with, with the rich mind podcast. Yeah. That's where I know, uh, this conversation will resonate with a lot of folks. So let's start off with the three questions. I always like to start the guests with that. It always helps uh, kind of dig out a little bit more about you, help the guest or help, yeah, help the guest show a little bit more about yourself, but then also have the listener learn more about yourself. So first off, who has had the biggest influence on your life, Chad? So there's been, there's been a few people for me. Um, So number one, I would say just because of my faith, I had to put Jesus at the top every single time. And then it's been, I don't know why, but people with the, the name Jay, right? So it's like all these people that I think of, like Jim, you mentioned Jim Rohn, love, love, love Jim Rohn, John Maxwell, John Wooden. Uh, my first real mentor, his name was Josh Denny. And of course, you know, I got to put my wife, Jury, in there. So so between those five, I mean, I don't they're, they're, I could just go with those five and be good to go. So what do you think that is, right? I mean, is it just coincidence, you think? I mean, all these folks. With <laughs> I don't Jamie know, which is funny. I realized that one day. I was like, who are the people who have influenced me the most? And I'm like, huh, they all have, they all have the, their name starts with J. So whenever a J comes in my life, I'm like, oh, is this going to be another one? Yeah, well, my, I don't have any J's in my life, except for I have middle names with Joe's. Does that, does that count? That counts Maybe. too. <laughs> does that count too? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of other people, and there's a lot of great authors, right? But for me, it's just those are some of the key the key people that have just influenced me as far as books I've read and courses I've taken and people that I've done life with, and so it's it's interesting. So the connection with Jim Rohn, right? That's every time I meet someone that has a connection to Jim and John Maxwell and all the personal development greats, right? But Jim especially, right? I was just having a conversation with my wife uh, just for lunch before we hit record here. And just talking about the influence that that man's had on my life and so many others, right? It's when you think about the impact, it's almost, you can't even quantify it. Uh, I assume it's been the same way for you and your family. Oh, absolutely. And you know, it's, what's funny is when you really understand Jim and you do a deep dive and all his stuff, most of all the other guys are at the top of their game today. They're all influenced by Jim. You know, Tony Robbins is definitely influenced by Jim Rohn, uh, you know, Darren Hardy influenced by Jim Rohn, like, like pretty much John Maxwell, for sure, influenced by Jim Rohn. And so it's just, it's interesting to see how big of an impact that that guy had you know, in that entire world. Yeah. And it seems to just keep resonating over and over and over. So a, a common friend that we have is Kyle Wilson. And one thing that Kyle has shared with us as a group is that Jim's intention was to be the person that just basically served other people, right? He didn't want to necessarily be the, the top guy or the guy known for certain things. He just wanted to, I forget exactly how it was shared, but he wanted to be the one to share with the masses, right? To have it spread, have the message spread. And obviously now uh, he's been gone for several years now, but yeah, it, it's amazing to even think about how much effort and all, all the things that he's accomplished just in his words and his messages and that type of thing. Yeah. He loved, he loved to hear the stories, you know, people, he'd teach someone and then 10 years later, he'd get the letter from them and he'd hear about how he impacted their life in such a significant way. And, and he was all about significance. You know, he said, it's a, uh, once you've tasted significance, that success no longer satisfies. And, and that's just so true. And, you know, service to many leads to greatness. And that's, that was his goal every day is to serve people and serve people and serve people. And he's, he's one of the greats for sure. Were you ever able to see him in person at all? No, I never saw him in person. I had a couple, I got invited to see him a couple of times and I just, it just didn't work out, but Hmm. that's one guy that I wish I would have went and seen, but I've definitely watched, I've watched so many of his videos and listened to all the audios 
on repeat. I mean, they're in my hard drive in my car that I drive right now. So I've got <laughs> just, you know, probably 50, 60 hours of Jim Rohn I can access any, at any moment. At any given time. It's all on my phone, right? So yeah, anytime you just feel like you just need that pickup, right? Just pop on some Jim. And yeah, it's an amazing thing how you can just hear even new things that you've heard over, you know, thousands and thousands of times and just pick up new, new wisdom. It's always so cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah, appreciate that. So going to the second question then is what has been the greatest challenge in your life and what have you learned from that, Chad? I think for me, it's, it's, it's been, you know, some, some people, and my wife's this way, she can, she can make decisions and she can pivot and she can move real quick. Whereas I'm a slow, like I'll, I'll sit on something for years. Like, like this book, for instance, I knew I was supposed to write it about five years before I even started writing it. So I just kind of sat there and let it marinate and let it marinate. And I, and I've learned over time just to, just to let go of comfort. You know, I think we all have our comfort zone bubble and it's, it's easy to cling to it and stay there when we know we're supposed to get out of there a little more, push a little more. So I think just letting go, letting go of the old and embracing the new and just ready to step into it and dive into it, you know, whenever, whenever it presents itself, that's been something that's been difficult for sure for me. So the opportunity presents itself, right. Having the confidence and courage and, and the faith to kind of just step into it. As it's being presented. Yeah, because if you don't, if you don't, you know, you miss out, right? Because it's like opportunities come along and, you know, I think Jim Rohn used to say, rarely will a good idea interrupt you. So (laughs) when a good idea does interrupt you, it's like, hey, good idea just interrupted me. What should I do with this? And if doing nothing is the same as the idea never interrupting you, right? If you do nothing. So indecision is still a decision, right? Even (laughs) That's right. It is. It is. Yeah. Even though if if you're just sitting there wondering you know, contemplating, doubting, fearing, right? All of those are just still decisions, right? All the mm-hmm. procrastination, all the excuses, it's all keeping you from a bigger, greater life than you can ever imagine. Yeah, for sure. 100%. That's awesome. So one thing I always love to do with my guests is I always love the idea to try to share some nuggets of wisdom with some, whether it's just somebody that a little bit further back on the path. I always kind of, uh, in my mind, I use the 20-year-old, right? Your 20-year-old self. We're about the same age. I just turned 49 last week. I think you're turning 50 in the next two or three weeks. Sorry to age you if, if that wasn't something you want me to share. But at the same time, we're about the same age, right? It's fine so as long as everybody thinks I look 29. You know, it's, it's <laughs> fine as long as you're older, right? <laughs> what they say. If they exactly. say I look 55 and I tell them I'm 49, then it's like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I should have, should have asked you that before I even shared. But hey, I apologize. But we're, no, we're man. Not, now. We can't go back. That's right. That's right. No, so I've, I've lived back to, yeah, your 20 year old self. Yeah. What is there a nugget of wisdom that you wish you would have known then? Oh, for sure. Yeah. The first thing, you know, and it's cool is when you start having kids, you get, you get to practice on them, right? There are, there are, there are experiments. So my oldest is, uh, is 18 now. So I get to talk, I get to talk to him like I'm talking to my 18 year old self sometimes. Right. And so, you know, just, it's, I mean, it's really just basic stuff. It's like, learn, continue to learn like leaders are learners. You know, I'm telling my son that all the time and he's great. Cause he's just a studier and he's a learner and he's hungry. You know, it's, it's staying in the state of hungry. I think it's all, it's, it's kind of interesting in a way. Cause most of most people, I think they just kind of go through this learning stage of their life through like 12th grade, maybe four more years or eight more years of college. And then it's just like, okay, I'm done. That part of my life's over. Don't need to learn anymore. Well, when you learn you're then you're stuck. Like you, 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 you don't go, you don't grow anymore. So there's, I mean, people who have a lot of wisdom, it's because they're constantly learning, they're constantly changing, they're constantly growing. And so that's something that I want to be known for, you know, is just to learn, a, be a learner and, and a wise person. Person, You know, one of my mentors, he calls me, uh, 
Socrates. So I guess I'm doing something right. You know, I'm always giving them these, these quotes and these things. I've learned a lot of quotes over the years, you know, and they mold you, right? They mold your philosophy that that's where everything starts. You know, Jim would say, starts through your philosophy and then your attitude and, and you build to the results and the lifestyle from there. Whereas a lot of people want the lifestyle, but they just, they want it quick now and in a hurry, but they don't understand the process and they don't understand it starts in the mind that everything starts in the mind because you see it, you know, it's, it's funny. I was, I was watching the Olympics one year and the people stand there. It was on the, I think it was the slalom skiing or something. And you could just see them standing there and their eyes are closed. And they were literally visualizing going through the whole course perfectly because when anything happens in life, typically it happens twice. It happens first in our mind where we visualize it and we see it happening. You know, that's why people say have dream boards, right? Have, have something on your wall that shows the property you're going to buy and, and the things you're going to accomplish because then you're seeing it and then you're believing it and then you're putting in the work to actually achieve it. But it has to be thought through first. You know, it's, it's really no different than planning a two week vacation. I mean, we sit down, we plan it out, you know, we're like, okay, we're going to go here on the first day. We're going to stay in this town at a hotel and then we're going to get to Disney world and we're going to spend four days there. So I got to buy the tickets and you got to plan for this and plan for that. And it's just, it's, it's very predict the predictable outcome when you do all the work up front and you visualize it and you believe it and all that stuff, it's, it's, it's going to happen. I mean, it's just, that's just, it's one of my, one of my favorite quotes is by Paul J. Meyer. And he's a great guy. He's a self-made billionaire. And what he said is whatever you vividly imagine, ardently desire, sincerely believe, and enthusiastically act upon must inevitably come to pass. And I love that quote because it's very, it's very descriptive. It's very clear and it's very real. And so if you, if you want something to come to pass, right, which would be a goal or a dream, then there's a very predictable way to ensure that it comes to pass. That's awesome. So say somebody that's great, right? So I'm, I'm trying to be like the person that's thinking, okay, Chad, that sounds fantastic. Okay. But where you, you coach and train thousands of people, right? You've been in front of yeah. on, on stages, you're one-on-one -on -one with folks with the business that you are currently doing now. So you find someone that may or might not, may not even believe that that's even possible. Is there a, a particular thing you encourage them to go do first to kind of get some of that belief put in place so that way they can start taking that that action yeah that big absolutely absolutely so yeah you have to you have, you have to kind of uh assess right where someone is where, where they believe and, and you know and so i'll put it this way what i do with some people is i'm like well what are some of your biggest accomplishments you've ever accomplished already right and they might say well i graduated college or i did this or some people just don't know <laughs> and what's funny is is if you really if you really boil it down right think about this if you really boil it down to the fact that we're born, but the, the, the mere fact that in the race from the, from the starting point, right? It was you against about 400 out of a thousand little zygotes, right? In competition and you won. So you're born, you're a champion just because you're born. So a lot of what we have to do is just remember that. And so it's, it's kind of like the, the visual, I did this in Mexico one time is I took like a, a dollar bill. Like when a new dollar bill is printed, it's a dollar bill, right? Or let's just say a hundred dollar bill. It's a hundred dollar bill, it's crisp, but you can put it in a toilet. You can smash it with a hammer. You can wad it up and throw it on the ground and you can put it in mud and you can dirty it all up and make it just nasty and make it smell and all that. But what's it, what's it worth? It's still worth a hundred bucks, right? So a lot of it with people is just reminding them what they're worth and reminding them who they are. And as a Christian myself, I mean, you just go into the Bible in Ephesians one and it says right there, I mean, you're the, you're the heir to a throne, you're adopted, 
you're the son of a king. I mean, so, so just by the nature of knowing who you are, like, and, and for a lot of people, it's just like going back to that fact that we're champions just because we're born. So just go be a champion again. That's all we got to do. So can you remember, assuming that it was either a person or a group or even a, an event that maybe have happened in your personal life, right? Uh, a story of some kind that you might be able to reflect back on to as you were having those discoveries in your own life, right? From Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Talk about that at all? Yeah, there's there's so many times where, you know, it's like it's like we have a perspective on things. Right. And I'll give you I'll give you two examples. So when I was in the military, I started off as an enlisted guy. I didn't have my degree. So I was an enlisted guy. And a couple of times I, I had the thought, maybe I'll finish my degree and try and become an officer. But I held officers in this much higher esteem. I was like, oh, they're just so much smarter than me. They're better looking than me. They're taller than me. I'm five, seven. I'm like, ah, I just don't make the cut. Right. I've just kind of counted myself out, which I think people do all the time for all kinds of reasons. And then I was at this school to, to become a sergeant. And at this school, there was a guy, Sergeant First Class Smith. And basically when at the school, he said, Canella, come up here. Uh, I need you to do a five minute presentation on the on the army values. And I was like, sure. So I got up and I shared the best I could about the army values. And he pulled me to the side later and he said, have you ever considered being an officer? Because the way you just briefed that to us was just as good as any officer I've ever met would have done. And those words, those words sunk in deep. Those words made me feel for the first time, like maybe I did, maybe I did have what it would take to, to be an officer. You know, maybe I really would. And so I remember doing that. A second story is my wife and I went to this huge church. I mean, the church when we got there was probably 4,000, I think. They grew it to like 6,000 over, over a couple of years they were there. So my wife ended up becoming friends with one of the, the, the number two guys, not the, the, not the senior pastor, but the executive pastor. So number two, she became friends with, with Becky, you know, his, his wife. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm not qualified to hang out with this dude. Like he's a, he's a big guy, you know, he's, he's in charge of like 4,000 people, executive pastor in this church, right? And I ended up, we ended up becoming really, really close friends. And we ended up traveling all over the world and I've done all kinds of cool things with him. And I've been a mentor to him just as much as he's been a mentor to me. So again, we, we count ourselves out because of the way we're raised, because of who we're around, our relationships. But the cool thing is, is that you can always change your mind. You know, and Jim Rohn would say, if you will change, everything will change for you. And I love that. And that's what happened in my stories. My, my first 15 years, you could say was pretty normal, right? I was just grew up in a safe home, you know, parents stay together. So it was a pretty good childhood. But then for me at age 15, I discovered alcohol and I was kind of a shy kid. So imagine I'm, I have a few drinks and now I feel like I can, I feel powerful. That liquid courage is kicking in. Right. And then I got involved in, in music and I would be so nervous if I wasn't, hadn't been drinking to sing. And so now I'd, I'd drink and I'd sing and it just became that. And then it was the, the rock and roll lifestyle. So from age 15 to 30, I pretty much destroyed. I mean, I, I pretty much ruined my life from age 15 to 30. And then at age 30, when I met my wife and she was like, well, if you're going to be with me, buddy, you're going to clean it up. And so I had to start, I had to start <laughs> cleaning it up. I was going to keep her around. Right. And so she ended up being the best thing that happened to me. And I changed, turned my life around and, and changed everything. And, but there was a season there where I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't be anybody, you know, and then and then when I had to go through that process of looking back to all the damage I'd done and all the people that I'd hurt and all the bad choices and mistakes I made, I had to navigate through that because that'll take a lot of people out too. just thinking, oh, I screwed up too bad. I can't be used. You know, there's nothing I can 
I mean, you can imagine when I'm, you're singing and rock and roll, you know, bars and jumping on tables and doing all this crazy stuff. And then the minute you get on a worship team and you're like, please don't strike me dead, Lord. I was waiting for the ceiling to open up one day. I was like, oh man, it's going to, it's going to start. Lightning's going to come in here. And it didn't. I was like, oh, okay. I guess I can still be used. And I think that's the exact reason why, why God uses some of the misfits that he does in the Bible. You know, some of the, some of the worst people that uh, normally people would say, how do you use them? They, they messed up too bad. Murderers and adulterers. And, you know, how, why do you pick those people? Well, he, to let us know that he can, it's never too late for any of us, I think. 100%. So one thing I also, so part of that story and coming out of your book, the idea of looking back, you connect the dots going backwards, right? You can always see kind of the path through going down and you just never know what that, what the next experience or what that past experience is going to lead to moving forward, right? So it's even like our chance meeting just, you know, just a few days ago, right? Or even a few weeks ago, right? It, you just never know where that's going to lead to. So all these experiences, all the things that we've had, whether they're good or bad, right? Whether they're perceived good or bad, you just don't know what that next thing is going to bring. So in your story, how you described how you went through that challenging period, right? That 15 to 30 ish, mm -hmm. you realize that the words that you were even using or even because you're a songwriter, you're not just a, a performer, you're a songwriter as well. So the words you were consuming, I don't know if it might not have been nightly, but definitely often, right, as you were performing, were molding the way your life was really developing on the in your outside world. And so how you've had to then pivot from those beliefs and from those challenges moving forward. So just, can you take a little a bit as far as like, I'm trying to really, the beliefs, right? People, the stories and their beliefs, right? They just keep themselves back from thinking that, like you just said, the past that I've had isn't going to allow me to have a better future. And just realizing that you're just one, re one relationship, one opportunity, one conversation, one new idea, right? From an entirely different life that you don't even realize is even possible standing there today. And just your story about that was really impactful when I was reading through that through your book. So I just was curious if you had any more insight on that. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's such a powerful thing. Uh, the Bible says there's power of life and death in the tongue, right? And so, and sometimes you'll run into someone and they'll say, man, everything that person does, touches turns to gold, right? We've all heard people say expressions like that. And it's, and what they're saying is that person has a, a mindset that's dialed in. And when they do something, they do it with excellence and they're, they're, their expectation, expectation is invitation. So if you expect things to happen great, then you're inviting the things to happen great. Now, let's go to the other side of the coin. People are like, you know, Murphy's Law, something bad can happen. It's going to happen to me, right? And they're expecting what? They're expecting bad things to happen to them. And guess what happens to them? Bad things, because that's what they're inviting. They're inviting bad things. So it's almost like, you know, you take one of the little scales, right? Where you put stuff on one side and so it's, it's like, which way are you tipping the scale? Are you tipping the scale in your favor to, to have a, a better future? Or are you tipping your scale the other way to self-sabotage? Because a lot of people self-sabotage and they don't even, they don't even know. They don't even know that they're, that they're doing it. So I just learned, you know, and, and a lot of this is, it's, it's just biblical truths, right? That there's power, life and death in the tongue and thoughts are things, you know, Earl Nightingale, right? He had, the, I know you love Earl Nightingale. He had the mm -hmm. first ever spoken gold record so first guy ever to speak record it put it on a record and it sold a hundred thousand plus copies first guy ever and, and it's called the strangest secret in the world and the strangest secret in the world is really not that strange because it's you <laughs> are what you mostly think about right and you think on that you are you know what a man thinketh so he is 
think on these things. There's, there's all these books, think and grow rich, right? It's, it's what's happening in our mind. And, and sometimes it's even, it's, it's the underlying beliefs. It's the philosophies. It's even when you're not intentionally thinking about something, your mind is going to work on whatever you're normally thinking about, right? Subconscious mind is constantly going. So you have to learn to take thoughts captive and, and remove, especially speaking it out loud. Because if you're speaking, I mean, the world was created by being spoken, right? So if you're speaking things like, I can't, you know, maybe change it, change it to a better word to be like, I won't. And, and then you're taking ownership, right? Can't is a victim word. You're saying, I can't, you know, oh, uh, it's just, you just kind of hear that whiner, you know, when I hear people say, I can't, and instead say, I won't and take ownership. Because the truth is, is when, when we realize that we are where we are in life right now, because of the sum of all the decisions and the choices that we've made, right? When we realize that now we have the power because then we can say, okay, I'm in this, I did, I settled. I'm here where I'm at because of choices that I made. I'm not a victim of circumstance. I'm here because I chose to be here one choice at a time. And now I understand knowing that, that I can make new choices that can lead to a new result that need to lead to a new life versus someone who just places blame, you know, and they blame on the, uh, oh, if that would change, you know, I, I think, what, what does Jim Rohn call that? He says something like the, the not much list. How does that actually affect your life? Not much. If the government really changes, how will it affect you personally? Not much, right? <laughs> and so we have this mentality, you know, and, and Jim would say too that, it's like we're all in our, it's in the sailboat. We all have our own sailboat. And most people just kind of are in their sailboat and they're waiting to see where the wind's going to blow them. But it's not the blowing of the wind that matters because the, the, the opportunity will blow, you know, it'll, the opportunities will come for us. The hard life will come to us. The disasters will come to us. So it's not so important with the blowing of the wind because the wind blows on everybody, but it's the set of the sail. And the set of the sail is the part we can control. You know, it's a pretty cool relationship we have with God because we plant the seeds and he grows the trees, right? So we plant, plant, plant. And if we're planting in other people, then we're adding value to other people's lives. There's just so much within that. You know, I wrote my, you said you just read this book, Finding Happy, 10 Keys to Live an Extraordinary Life. And there's little, there's just little things in there that, that add up to be the big thing. That's what everybody wants. You know, I call it finding happy because I figured everybody wants to be happy, right? I've never met anybody. Hey, do you want to be happy? And like, no, I'd rather be depressed. (laughs) (laughs) If I wrote a book called Finding Depression, it probably wouldn't sell too hot. Hopefully, yeah, not too, Um, not too hot. Yeah, yeah, but so it's just, it's just those little things, and and a lot of people don't know, and it's, it's, it's the slow fade, right? I mean, no, no person would let your neighbor come over and and take their garbage can and dump it in your yard, right? But we'll listen to, we'll listen to things. You know, like like music, like yours, like I used to listen to, just angry music. Well, why was I angry all the time? Because I, I was putting in garbage, garbage in, garbage out, right? I mean, if what happens if you eat a extra size, super size meal every single day, four meals a day? You know, nothing good, right? You're gonna feel pretty sick. You're gonna blow up like a balloon, and you're gonna be not happy at, at all. So it's just it's the it's the the slight edge philosophy. It's the simple things, the little things over time that make all the difference. Simple errors in judgment that lead us down the wrong path and the simple disciplines that lead us to the right path. And so we get to make those choices. And it's it doesn't happen overnight. Like I know all the all the 20 year olds want it right now, quick and in a hurry, Burger King way, right? They want it my way. <laughs> there you go. The yeah. fast food, you know, it doesn't it doesn't happen like that, but it will happen. It's just it's just got to be very intentional. 
So the idea of getting yourself around folks that have experienced those, uh, those experiences, right? Those positive experiences to keep the belief, the, the nudging, right? You're talking about, we keep making Jim Rohn references, right? So it's the nudging. It's, you know, just a little bit going the wrong direction. And a few years from now, you'll be in a place that you do not want to be, right? You'll be, you washed up on the rocks. Whereas if you're just being nudged the other way in a positive format or a positive way, you can just, you, you'll live a life that you can hardly believe is even possible today, right? So it's the idea of just surrounding yourself with the right people and just believing, right? Believing that they have that your interest in mind and at the same time, just do what they say, right? It's, it's uh, being, being able to reproduce, right? Replicate the processes, the systems. Yeah, That's kind of how I've always tried to live uh, my life and in, in businesses that, that I've tried uh, is find the systems, find the processes that can, are easy, replicable, right? And, mm -hmm. and don't try to recreate the wheel because there's no reason to do that. Yeah, it's okay to be a copycat if you copy the right cat. <laughs> right? I mean, you find someone that's willing to teach you, you do what they do, and you get what they got. You know, and, and I'm not saying you should find just one person. You should find many. Maybe you find that one person. You're like, you know, if you're a mom and you're in Walmart and you see a mom there with, let's just say, five children, and they're from ages 12 down to two, and they're all respectful, and you know, they're holding the cart, and they're saying, excuse me, mom, please, you know, saying please and thank you, and you're walking by, I mean, would it kill you to like invite that woman out for lunch to learn some, get some parenting tips, right? Yeah, because I'm supposed to go something right. Now, now, she might not have any money, you might not want to get any, uh, you know, uh, business building advice from her, but I mean, shoot, would it be worth it to find out, why are your kids so respectful? She's probably going to say, oh, well, I read this little book called blah, blah, blah. And you can read a little book too, right? You know, it's like, I know, I know you talk a lot about, um, you know, fi financial education and stuff like that. Well, Jim Rohn, you know, in all those years he taught, there was one main book he would tell everybody to get, The Richest Man in Babylon. He was always just saying, he'd say, I've told 10,000 people to get it. You know how many got it? He's like, maybe a hundred. <laughs> you know, I was many. like, I get it. But see, you got to be teachable though, right? You can't, you can't go find the guy that has what you want and then go, oh, I got a better way than you to get there. That doesn't work out very well. So you got to get the book. You got to read it. You got to, you got to do the steps, understand the process. That's when I was starting to, to be discovered or discovering this type of, of content and information, right? Back in early in my journey is like, he would say something like that, right? So challenge to succeed. The Jim Rohn program is probably my, my biggest thing that I always refer back to. And when I know exactly the quote you're talking about, right? You, you would mention the book and how many people would go out and get it? And it's like, not very many, very few, or, or you know, how much does it cost to get a library card? It's free. You can't get much easier than free, but you can't get anybody to go get a library card to get the wealth of knowledge of, of all these people that are pouring their hearts and souls into these books, right? So that's what I started to do as you're talking about, right? You find the, the mentors, the information, the knowledge, and then just go do it. It's not, it's not difficult, but at the same time, the discipline to do those things is what the difficulty part is for sure. Staying with it when you might not see the results, like you said, the have it my way, the, the Burger King commercial, it's, it's wanting it faster than what, you know, the reality actually is, but then having the faith and the people to come alongside you, right? Lock arms with folks that are out there getting it done and then just, just go apply your own, apply your own path, right? Set your sail to the wind that's blowing on you. Right. Yeah. And that's such a huge part is the people, right? Cause you, you have to, 
you know, I've heard this and I believe it, but I've heard it said that you're the sum of the five people you hang out with the most, right? Typically have similar beliefs, you know, you typically have uh, similar lifestyles. And so you have to be aware of that and aware of what those people are doing to you. And are they calling the better man out, you know, the better woman out of people, or are they just keeping you in a spot, you know, because, because a lot of people, it's like, you're, you probably seen like a, the bucket of crabs analogy, right? You know, if there's a bucket and there's one crab in there, he can climb out just fine. But if you're in a, if you're, if you're in a bucket full of crabs and you're trying to climb out, you might be trying to climb to get to a higher place. And you got your friends like, no, we like you just where you are. Come back down here to normal land with us. Get your head out of the clouds there, buddy. So you, you have to be aware because that's what happens a lot of the time when we, when we, uh, you know, want to go to higher places and do more. Our, some of our friends feel like we're trying to leave them behind and they don't like that. It makes them uncomfortable. So sometimes, you know, some relationships need to be initiated, some need to be cultivated, and some need to be terminated. And that's, that's just the, the reality. Yeah, that is, it's, a, it could be a harsh reality, but at the same time, it is reality. I've had to experience that personally in, in my life. So it's those, uh, Jim talks about the five minute friends, five hour friends, five week friends, or, or five day friends, right? And you just have to keep everybody in their particular buckets. And mm-hmm. yeah, and if you, take control of that, you'll get obviously control back of, of the thoughts and the ideas in your mind and that whole crab out of the, out of the bucket analogy, right? I use that a lot with folks that I'm discussing uh, the idea that folks, are, as you begin to change, people aren't going to be comfortable necessarily with that. And they're always going to try to bring you back to what is comfortable for them. When in fact, you're actually trying to grow and you'll reach back and bring them out with you, right? It's not like you're, you're leaving them for good. It's like, I'm, I'm going to try to go to a better place and I want you to come with me. Let's go. But those folks sometimes don't necessarily understand that as you're in the process of, of going down that beginning part of that journey, for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing I want to pivot to is your part of the story about control. You mentioned control a few times in the in a few seconds ago is what we were talking about there. And part of my story is that I realized that I wasn't in control of my life. I was in the corporate W-2 grinding away. Retail was, was my background. So it was 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you being in the military, I know your life was 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you had very little flexibility with your life. You had a moment very similar to mine, where it was like an epiphany. It's like realizing that, you know what, at the end of the day, all this effort, it's like, what is it really getting me to this destination, this vision that I've got for myself? I reading your story today, I kind of, it's like I almost put myself back in my own position. So I was just hoping that you could kind of talk about that a little bit with that day, you realized that you weren't in control of your life and you wanted something bigger and better for yourself, for your family. Uh, You talk about generational wealth, right? Passing things down to your grandchildren's Mm -hmm. grandchildren, right? And I feel the same way, right? So just that control piece. Can you talk about that? And even talking about what you did about it. Yeah, there's so many different reasons it would kind of kind of take that you know that pivotal moment you know i've heard it called the day that turns your life around um you know you're never have some people have a never again moment it could be that moment where your reasons to do something just become so strong that your excuses to not do it are just they're they're gone you know you're not worried about that anymore so you know my story is, is i'll just go back to 2012 so in 2012 i'd gone through all these steps i started off as an army you know soldier and i shared a little bit about uh, the guy that planted the seed and, and, you know, I should become an officer. So I was in the military. I finished school, which is a whole nother. I took the 15 year route to get the four year college degree, you know, dropped out three times. <laughs> Don't recommend it. If you go, if you go sign up for college, at least show up for your classes, you know, so your parents get, you know, they know you're at least showing up because if you don't show up for very long, it doesn't go well for you. Right. 
So I didn't show up and dropped out a few different times and finished all that. So I finished that and then I had to get accepted. And with a past and a history and all the stuff, I had to have all these waivers. Plus I was getting older, you know, so I had to go through like, it had to be some different miracles for me to even get accepted to become an officer. And so I did all that. So here I am in 2010 out the other end and I hit all my goals I had in life at that point. It was just being an officer and work towards making six figures. I felt like if I could just make six figures, I could walk around proud of myself, take care of my family, you know, be good. So that's 2012. Well, that year, a friend of mine, Chase, uh, Nitro, that's his nickname, Nitro Prasnicki, he, uh, he was a field artillery officer like me and he got deployed and within three days, he hit uh, uh, IED and got blown up. And even though he had two broken legs, he walked himself to a stretcher and then he died in the, in the helicopter on his way to hospital. So this guy was a West Point quarterback. I mean, he was most loved guy in our class. And we were going through everything. Just got married a few months before that. I mean, just a wonderful, wonderful guy. I mean, if you're going to put like Captain America on a person, like he'd be like the guy you'd nominate as Captain America. You're like, this guy right here is young and powerful and bulletproof and he's going to be fine. You know what I mean? Just a great leader, just all the things. And so that happened. And I was like, it was a wake up call for me because up until then I was like, yeah, None of my friends have been killed. You know, we're field artillery guys. We kind of hang out in the background and blow stuff up that's, you know, a mile away. And, you know, the infantry guys are the ones that are really in, in danger. And so I was like, cool. And I knew because I knew my deployment was coming up, too, because when I found out about this, I was at some pre-deployment training. So I get home from all that. So that's in the back of my mind. So now when you go, because before you deploy, you have to go and uh, fill out, you know, this legal paperwork to get your wills updated and to have some very serious conversations with your family, you know, did they pull the plug, not pull the plug, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, we're going through that and got all that figured out. Well, now I'm supposed to take my kids to Disney world right before we deploy. So this is about 10 days before uh, I'm supposed to go on leave in the military. When you take time off, they call it leave, right? You're going on leave because you're leaving the military. <laughs> Bye. You're leaving for a while. And so we had this big, everything's paid for this thing my daughter's four you know she's like daddy she got that little sweet little four-year-old boy daddy you gonna go see mickey matt you know she's just so excited and and then my commander you know he he forgot like he basically made a big mistake and he forgot to to schedule us for some training that we we're supposed to do and so now he said ah i've got we forget we got to do this training so you have to cancel your leaves and i'm like excuse me i'm like you know those are refundable tickets right and he's like i'm sorry i'm sorry we'll we'll get you, you know, we'll get you on leave as soon as you get back from deployment. I'm like, that's that, okay. I get it. I get it. My wife will get it. But my little four-year-old girl, she's counting down the days. And I was like, you gotta be, you gotta be kidding me. Right. And so we ended up, you know, not being able to go there. And so now I'm actually deployed. And on December 21st, I'm in an airport in Bagram and I had Wi-Fi there. So normally I didn't have access to, you know, communicate with my family, look online or social media or anything like that. But I'm in Bagram and I look on the, I look on my wife's Facebook page and she said, she's like, uh, please pray for us. My youngest son, I'm on the way to the hospital with my youngest son. He's internally hemorrhaging and he's already getting a transfusion. And I'm like, what the heck is going on at home? You know? And I'm like, I'm like getting hold of people and Red Cross. I, I ran across the Red Cross message the other day, like saying, send him home very critical his son's in critical condition and they need need soldier home right away and so i've got this paper and I'm, I'm in an airport i'm like just change my flight just change my flight and they're like oh we're so sorry because you have to fly back the wrong way and, and turn in your weapon and fill out this paperwork and i'm like you got to be kidding me 
And so at that moment, and, and it, when, as soon as I did, I flew back the wrong way, right? And then it took me two whole days, 48 hours, pretty much no sleep to get back to the same spot I started to start my another 24-hour journey home. So it took me about 72 hours. So I got home the evening of Christmas Eve. So the good story, the good part of the story is my son had been released. He had the surgery. It went great. They figured out what was going on. He was actually released and home just a couple hours before I got home. And then my other two kids had no idea I was even coming home. So they were, they were super surprised and happy that I was going to be able to spend Christmas with them. But you can imagine on, on the way home, I was in my I had that, like, that breaking moment that you're talking about where I was like, I have to get out of the military. I'm like this will never, I will never, this will never happen again in my life. I'll never be stranded 7,300 miles from home when my family wants me and I can't go straight home. Like it's not happening. And so and we make a lot of decisions now to do things, you know, as family and just so that we know we'll be together. We won't be that far apart because of that. So that, that shaped my entire life. But what it also did is it really made me take, make the jump and get very serious about being an entrepreneur and owning, owning my time and owning my finances. And so that was a moment. I mean, we, we came home from there. We had a little side business going. We were making, playing around, making a couple thousand dollars with it. And within 101 days, we were making over $40,000 with that business. And then I dropped a packet and you should have seen these, these, uh, I had to get interviewed by each one of my commander, my battalion commander, my brigade commander. And they're all trying to keep me because I was, it was a good officer in the military. And they're like, well, why would you leave? And I was like, you guys can't afford me. I was like, you can't, you just can't afford me anymore. Like, that's it. Like, I got to get out. Like, you can't make me an offer. I can't refuse because I've seen the pay and I'm making four times what the top people in the military are making. So I'm sorry. It's, you know, and then they're just like, oh, we understand. They're like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) So So that leads into what exactly is that, right? So we were having the discussion or we've had the discussion over the last few days as far as the misunderstanding about the opportunities and the businesses and the uh, what you just described, right? How you went, basically went from, from zero, from getting started. You've had that entrepreneurial spirit and ideas, right, of businesses in the past. You mm-hmm. came to it with some dedication, some determination, uh, the will to win, right? All of the things required to succeed. And then it, it, you plugged all of that into a system or a process, right? And because yeah. of that, through some mentorship, through some skill development, you and your wife began to to discover and build out this this life that a lot of people would dream to have today, for sure. So can you go a little bit more about the the opportunity and what it is uh, and just any describe any details that you can give? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and I'll, I'll kind of keep this in a more of a, a, a general framework, but the reality is about 90% of the population works for the other 10%. And everybody knows the 10% makes way more money than the 90%. So the next question we have to ask is, well, why wouldn't more of the 90%, you know, trade in their, what they're doing to become part of the 10%? And the, the simple answer is that they just don't know. And they're not willing to, to learn, to get the education because they're still sold on the old school plan because it's what their family did. It's what their friend, you know, we talk about the friends, right? So if you work 40 hours a week and you work for 40 years and then you can retire and maybe get a pension. And that's, that's the subscription that most of the world has applied to. And honestly, when I was young, I remember I was a, I was a, a construction worker making about 10 bucks an hour. I was the guy, you know, framing the walls for the basements and pouring the concrete. And I'd be doing these in these crazy, awesome neighborhoods. And I just, I remember in my mind back then, I thought, man, that's a lot of doctors and lawyers that live in this neighborhood. 
Because that's all I thought. I was like, if you have a house like this, you got to be a doctor or you got to be a lawyer. Now, why would I think that? Because that's all I knew, right? No one, no one ever came along and, and you know, interrupted me and said, hey, I want to teach you how to, how to do something. So a big part of this is finding a business, finding an industry, finding somebody who will take the time to teach you. And I personally, I love the industry of network marketing. And that's, that's where my wife and I made a lot of money. We made, you know, over $3 million in less than 10 years with the, the last company that we were with. And I love the industry because it's all about teaching mindset, building belief, you know, helping people win. And it's just like the more people you help, it's like the old Zig Ziglar saying, right? The more people you help get what they want, then by default, you get everything that you want. And that's really how, how the industry works. And it's so different than, than a traditional, you know, corporate world where it's like a, you know, it's like a fight, like it's a dog fight, right. To get your way to the top. Like it, it's almost like you're climbing a ladder and someone's trying to climb up behind you on the ladder and pass you on the ladder. So you're trying to stomp them down the ladder. You know, you're like, Hey, you're not going to pass me, buddy. You're stomping them. Cause it's just, there's, you're fighting over, you know, it's, it's a true pyramid, right. Cause there's like a CEO at the top and then there's some managers and there's some supervisors. And down here you have the employees and then even below them. Now we have the temps, right. The, the temporary people that come in. <laughs> And so it's, it's like upside down when you're building something, it starts with just you, but then you get to build it with friends and you build it with family, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's building and it's recruiting and it's, I mean, it's, it's no different than some of the biggest organizations in the world. I mean, think about if, if you and I owned a college, are we going to want to have a bigger freshman class every year? Ideally. Because, you know, you have a freshman class and then you have a little smaller class by the time you get to sophomore I mean, your freshman doesn't go to a bigger sophomore class you have a smaller sophomore smaller junior because you have leakage of people like me right you're like ah, i can't do three more years of this i'm out of here <laughs> but the goal is you continue to recruit you know any any real estate company they want to recruit more real estate agents you know and, and if you're professional sports you're constantly recruiting 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 and so that's what I love. Network marketing allows you to recruit and you can earn and you can, you can create leverage. And that's what all the wealthy people in the world have leverage. And when you have a job, a W-2 job, you're being leveraged, you know, and, and, and honestly, the government's leveraging you because W-2 employees pay more taxes than anybody else. That's why Warren Buffett said, my secretary pays more in taxes than I do. And she makes like 30 grand a year and he makes like, I don't know how much. So how does, how does that work? Well, it's because you're playing at a whole different game. Like you got that game that cash flow game behind you. That's such a great game for anybody that has never played it yet. And I love it because it, it's, it's life in the middle, you're in the middle of that board on the hamster wheel. That's 90% of the population on the hamster wheel, on the hamster wheel, on the hamster wheel. And only very few get to play on that outer, that outer part, which is where the real fun begins. So I tell people is most people are enduring life. And if, if you don't know if you're enduring life or not, then just ask yourself this question. Are you as happy on a Monday morning as you are on a Friday night? And if the answer is no, then you've settled. And to some degree, you're enduring life. You're not enjoying it to, in the way you could be enjoying it if it was important enough to enjoy it. And so I just like to help more people enjoy their life more. That's, that's what I feel called to do. And I believe everybody has some type of passion and, and some type of calling. And, and a lot of people just don't know what it is. So I like to come alongside people and, and help them you know, in that season of life, as much as I can, just add value to people and help them bridge that gap between where they are now and where they really want to be and where they wish they were already were. So that's, that brings me a lot of joy and happiness to do that. And that's what it's all about, right? Having that control, taking those decisions. Uh, before we hit record today, you already talked about the fantastic day you've had up to this point, right? We're recording about lunchtime here. And yeah, so you get to design the life that you choose 
right? Versus it being chosen for you. I love the idea of, you know, the question, like you said, are you uh, miserable on Monday morning or, or looking forward to Friday night, right? It's, it's that really, I'm sure will hit home with a lot of folks uh, definitely after listening today, as far as thinking about like that good idea, you know, an opportunity isn't going to come by and just slap you upside the head and say, Hey, pay attention. You've got to be ready, willing and able, right. To put forth the effort, do the discipline, do the work. But at the same time, the opportunities are always out there. So if folks are out there going like, okay, yeah, this makes sense. This Chad guy, he's like the real deal. He's, he's been there. He's done that. He's all you know, doing all the good stuff that I love, all these things he's talking about with Jim Rohn, all this business opportunity. What are the best places for people to learn more about you, Chad, and even the opportunity that you have to present? Is there anything else that any place where people should go to to learn more? Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm on I'm all over social media. So you could mess, send me a message on Facebook, um, just first, last name. I think I'm the only one on there. Uh, Chad Kneller, that's K-N-E-L-L-E-R. I've got this book out, Finding Happy. Um, it's on Audible. You can you can go to findinghappybook.com if you want to buy one there. I'll, I'll sign that one. That one gets shipped straight from my house. So you can just go on Amazon and buy Amazon, Kindle, Audible, all the different kinds of things. Um, and then my email, findinghappy, and then the number one at yahoo.com is a great way to get in touch with me. And yeah, those are, you can or just send out a, a carrier pigeon. That works too. <laughs> Exactly. I leave it to you to, to tie one on there at the very end. That, that, that's awesome. So, Chad, this has been a lot of fun. Folks, uh, pick Chad up on his offers, right? Find his book. As I mentioned, I just finished reading that book today, uh, this morning, uh, before we got on the interview here. And it's packed full of wisdom, things that you can, just nuggets that you can take and implement right away. Uh, it's not, it's deep enough to challenge you, but not hard enough where it's going to push you to the point where it's like you can't use the, the items in your life every day. So I really encourage you to go out there, get the Finding Happy book, look for Chad on the socials. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about the business opportunities, as you know, here on the Rich Mind podcast, I'm always encouraging you, the entrepreneurship, taking control, starting a business. And the idea is you find processes, find systems, find places where you can plug into, get the support, have the ideas. You don't necessarily need to create your own products. Uh, you can piggyback and partner with other folks that are out there successful and just go along for the ride. You'll, you'll be surprised at how quickly you could advance if you just have faith with the people that you're trying to lock arms with. So folks, hopefully you found a lot of value in this conversation with, with me and Chad today. I look forward to connecting with you again very soon. And until the next episode, bye now. Thank you for joining me on the Rich Mind Podcast. I hope you found a ton of value in this episode. If so, I'd really appreciate a five-star review. And you can also share it with your family and friends. And as my mentor Jim Roden shared with me, in order to have more, you must first become more. And in order to become more, you must work harder on yourself than you do on your job. So go out there today and work harder on yourself and become more and build the life of your dreams. Until next time, my friends.